Bleacher Report, and it said Tom Herman denies, you know, blah, blah, blah. Both times, because they came like an hour apart, I thought it said Tom Herman dies, and I about <laughs> crapped myself. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? And so then I read it, I was like, oh. Okay, breaking news. Oh, we got it. Here we go. Wow. LeBron to the Lakers. Is that official? Official from Woj. Wow. Four years, $154 million. Wow. Wow. Man. Hate to see it. You hate to see it. I kind of, I mean, those are how the tea leaves. Darn it. Come on. Tie should feel like a win. No. It does not feel like a win. Oh, man. I'll say that. I'll say they, that. They say, they say a tie is like kissing your sister, but for the Browns, it's like kissing your hot stepsister. <laughs> Now here are your host of the Shore Thing, Warren Shore and Ryan Silva. All right, thanks everybody for joining us here on the Shore Thing on Talk Radio 1190. I'm your host, Warren Shore, here with you. Ryan will be joining us in about 15 minutes on the phone for the rest of the show. Uh, action-packed show for you, so we're just going to jump right into it right now on our phone line here on Talk Radio 1190. We have Ishmael Johnson from uh, TexasFootball.com and Dave Campbell's uh Texas Football Magazine to recap an exciting weekend out at AT&T Stadium and the uh, 2018 uh, state championship games. Everybody, I assume, saw the ending last night between Galena Park, North Shore, and Duncanville. But this weekend, pretty much, it built to the climax. Like, you had uh, Wednesday night, you had McLean and 1A put up 100 points. Then on Thursday night, you had Newton uh, playing for their coach, W.T. Johnson. Uh, or Johnston, who uh, was given eight months to live nine months ago, and they want to repeat. Then on uh, Friday night, you had Alito win their seventh out of tenth. Then yesterday, you had Highland Park three-peat Longview first title in 81 years. And then the nightcapper, I mean, it's just an incredible weekend of high school football there at uh, AT&T Stadium. Yeah, we were, honestly, to, to peel back the curtains a little bit, the staff at DCTF was a little worried about this year because of how great last year was. We kind of figured, okay, there can't be two great years in a row, right? And the first day, like you mentioned, McLean had 100 points and a couple hit things here or there, but the way I think the way certain things were playing out, it was like, oh, is this going to be kind of a letdown year overall because we were seeing a lot more lopsided scores uh mason just punished new deal um newton hung it uh, newton uh got a game a uh, uh, closer game than we expected but for the most part we were like oh heading into that final day we're like oh is this gonna be just all blowouts and then of course the complete opposite happened you know we had two absolute classics in the end uh in uh 6a division one and two and then um even alito uh or excuse me highland park shadow creek shadow creek really showed out as well for a first year program really putting uh making Highland Park play all four quarters. Yeah, so where do you want to start? Do you want to start off with uh, the Duncanville North Shore game last yeah. night? I know yeah. we were talking or we were texting when that uh when the Hail Mary to, uh, that AJ Carter caught in the back of the end zone. Yeah. And I think everybody who had to watch it thought when that ball sailed out of the quarterback's hands, it was, it was five rows deep in the stands. <laughs> and somehow Somehow, miraculously, that sucker floated right in there to the back of the end zone, and what a catch. And, I mean, you got to feel for Duncanville. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Duncanville was – we considered – heading into this game, North Shore had probably one of the best resumes, I think, of any high school team we've ever ever seen. Uh, They beat Katie twice in convincing fashion. 
They beat Lake Travis by 41 the week before in the semifinals. They beat Cy Fair, the defending D1, uh, excuse me, D2 champions, by about 30 or 20, I believe. They beat Beaumont Westbrook, who just played previously in a 6A Division II title game by about 40. Um, they were they were a machine, and so everyone was kind of riding Duncanville out. I don't think they were disrespecting them. Duncanville absolutely deserved to be there for that game they played against Allen. And they, we've we've known that defense was incredible, but everybody kind of assumed, okay, North Shore was going to pull away. I think I had North Shore by 10 in my original predictions. Um, but, yeah, Duncanville literally had that game until the very final second, which, yeah, like, oh, gosh. It, it, it was heartbreaking to watch the Duncanville sideline because, of course, they're just waiting. Okay, cool, ball's going to be incomplete. It's going to hit the turf. Someone's going to bat it down, and we're good to go. But, you know, everyone kind of obviously saw the North Shore sideline. I immediately looked at the Duncanville sideline, and it was just, I mean, watching the refs go to the reviews, like they're just all sitting down like they know he caught it, right? So when the ref was reviewing it, they're just sitting down, heads down, collapsed. Like they, they know he caught it, and so they didn't yeah. care what the, what the ref was going to review because he knew he was going to confirm it. And I, I don't know. It, it, passed our, it passed our minds. Like once, once they were lining up for the Hail Mary, we're like, it's not that far. What if he just gets it in? And but then, like you said, once he once Demetrius Davis threw it, he threw it with such a velocity it looked like it. Yeah, like you said, it looked like he sailed it, and it just landed perfectly in the corner. AJ Carter, you know, incredible grab, incredible focus, and then he had to be carried off. Like <laughs> he got hurt, yeah, he cramped up. He had to be carried off, and uh, after the play, so oh my, it was it was an absolute perfect cap to this uh, to this season. Yes. Uh... And, I mean, you got to feel for Coach Samples at uh, oh, sure. Duncanville. I mean, he's just can't get that state title. Uh, yeah. But I want to go to the game before that. As you know, I am one. Always enjoy a team-breaking, uh, long-standing championship drought, having having <laughs> suffered uh, one myself. And we had one of those yesterday. That was Longview uh, winning the 6A Division II uh, state title over Beaumont, uh, Westbrook, and let me tell you what, 48,000 fans from Longview and Beaumont, not yep. even in the DFW area, showing out yep. yesterday. The whole first three levels of AT&T Stadium were filled up, and I got to watch the first about three and a half quarters of the game. Yes, I missed the ending because we were at yeah. dinner had to leave, but what an incredible performance, or what a great game uh, that was. I saw a lot of people joking, no offense to your Titans, but that NFL Network should have had this game on instead of the Washington <laughs> Titans I, game because it was I just it no, was entertaining. I yeah, I would not have uh, I would not have been uh, been angry with that. This game was that game was crazy. The Longview crowd, we'd been hyping it up all week. We were saying, look. Longview were passionate. They're uh, an alumni base that runs deep throughout the state, the entire state. And, of course, the big thing, 81 years, obviously. So this is a generational thing. So it's been building up every year. You know, people who played in the, the, the state championship that they lost in the 90s, they're going to come back to want to see the kids get it. And so they didn't disappoint at all. We were down on the sidelines when it was just trickling in. So we started to notice the corners filling in because Highland Park kind of had the – most of the first three, two or three levels start, but then uh, then the corners were kind of empty for that. Then the uh, they started to fill in for Longview, very solidly filled in. It felt when Longview scored their first touchdown, it felt like a Cowboys game. It was an absolute madhouse. And I mean, credit to Westbrook, they were right there. Uh, you know, credit to credit to those guys. They Longview was playing with all the momentum. Obviously, more of a if you want to call it a home field advantage with their crowd kind of dwarfing. 
a really good Beaumont crowd. Like it wasn't a bad Beaumont crowd at all. But credit to Westbrook. They again, they had that. They had a. They capitalized on a lot of mistakes. Haynes King from Longview didn't have the first, the best first two quarters or so. But when it came down to it, he put on the cape and he was absolutely amazing. And he's showing why he's one of the best quarterbacks in the 2020 class. Whoever ends up with him, uh, they're going to get a gamer because that dude absolutely put on a show. He showed why he's a top prospect for next year's class. Yeah, and that is a father-son quarterback coach tandem, which to me is always, I always uh, find it fascinating and enjoyable, mm-hmm. I guess, when they find success just because of the, the, uh, that dynamic that you have to deal with with the team. Yeah, I don't know if you I don't know if you saw the the post game press. I did. He was, I did. He was absolutely in tears. Uh, Haynes King, because you know his dad's been there his whole life basically, and so he's grown up knowing nothing but Lobo football, Longview football, and so for him to be the one that brings this city a title, uh, it was just you could just see he was overwhelmed. Like he couldn't even he could barely talk. He was just like you know sobbing so hard because he just couldn't believe that. He was the one to get it done for his dad, right? You know, he was the one to get it done for the city. These kids are going to be known forever. This is a generational thing. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it was, that was one of the best moments by far, just, just seeing that demon exercised over a whole fan base. And you could just see uh, when they when Haynes King kneeled it out and he noticed that, okay, oh, I, uh, there's no more time or the time's going to run out now. The storming of the field every the party in the Longview side was <laughs> it was it was something pretty awesome to watch it was uh, shades of cleveland ohio on uh, june 19 2016 i think we <laughs> hey there you go like you said it, like you said it's a generational thing when it happens you're you know you're 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 happy your dad's happy your grandfather's happy your great grandfather's happy you know um the longview radio guys were a couple uh, were a couple uh, uh, places down from us and you could hear the call or we we i went back and listened to the call and they're crying. Those guys have been doing it for 40 years, right? And so they've seen the heartbreak. They saw them miss the game-winning field goal last year, I believe, against Midway. That would have put them in the state title game, and they probably could have, you know, they probably would have competed pretty well against Cy Fair. Um, so for them to get back, and they're probably going to be back next year. I mean, Haynes King comes back. Um, you know, they're probably going to be in the running again for Division Two uh, once again in 2019. Yeah, and then I think we we do have to touch on uh, Newton. We mentioned earlier, but their coach W. T. Johnston, uh, yep. he, as I said, he brought Ishan at first. He only he, the doctors told me he was only going to live for eight months, because yep. uh, he got a double lung transplant and yep. uh, developed a chronic uh, host versus graft disease. And yeah, it's, it was, yeah, that was that was a uh, it was really it was really uh, touching last year because when they won that title last year, you know. A lot of people didn't think he was going to make it soon after that. Yeah. And then, of course, he had the transplant, and then, of course, he got the diagnosis from the doctors that he, you know, eight months to live, nine months ago, and he told his players during the season, like, hey, look, I might not make it through the season. Um, he says, this is the last lesson I'm going to give you, and this could be the last lesson I'm going to give you. And so they were all prepared for, you know, any day to get that phone call, right? And for him to be there on the sidelines, still wearing the headset, still going through it, and when that when that final uh, that final whistle hit, he just looked up and just started praying, like you know, basically giving thanks because, like he said, he got to witness one of the best. He got he got to not only be with his kids for that, but also like Newton is one of the best pound for pound teams in the state. He might be the best pound for pound team in the state, and that along with and the fact that that's dwarfed now by his interview and what he's been saying and where his where his mindset is. He's absolutely embraced that, you know, these are probably his, his final days. Yeah. And he does, it does not matter to him. He, 
he's he feels like he's imparted his wisdom onto these players into that community and it was yeah if you haven't seen that interview just you know whoever's listening go out and watch it go listen to it because it it will make you choke up because he is an inspirational person for someone to be to know exactly where they are in their life and to be okay with it that it's it's incredible yeah, and uh, finally, as we wrap up here with uh, Ishmael Johnson of TexasFootball.com and Dave Campbell's uh, High School Football, is there anything else I guess you want to touch on from the weekend that we didn't? Those were, I felt like, the three main uh, highlights of the weekend. I mean, you got Highland yeah. Park winning uh, their third straight title with uh, yeah. Chandler Morris, uh, who is Chaz Morris' son at Arkansas, or, uh, Arkansas coach Chad Morris' son, and yeah. Randy Allen, he what, retired for like a week or two weeks, and then was, oh, yeah. he just missed the kids so much that so he came back and won three in a row, or what else uh, stood out for you from the weekend? And I saw your tweet about Jace McClellan from Alito. This feels to me like we are running on Perry Ellis at Kansas Territory and Aaron Kraft at Ohio State Territory. How long this kid has to play high school football? Because I feel like they should just give him a waiver and let him play at Oklahoma next year. He really is. Oh my, I could not. I mean, yeah, I, I could believe because obviously we, we cover them year-round, but like, oh my gosh, when when I saw him just dominating Fort Ben Marshall, which is something I do want to mention, Alito just absolutely dominating Fort Ben Marshall. Um, that was really impressive. I actually picked Fort Ben Marshall in that game, and Alito just looked like an absolute you know juggernaut and just a well-disciplined team that just does nothing wrong. Um, but yeah, Jason McClellan still has one more year to go. That is insane to me. I still remember him as a freshman looking really great against Cal Allen. I was like, oh man, he's going to be really good. Yeah. He just stayed really good, but I think people kind of forget about it just because he's been really good for three years now. Um, one other thing I do want to hit on, though, is that North Shore Duncanville game. There is a good chance we see that exact same matchup next season. There are so many juniors and sophomores on that team. Demetrius Davis from, uh, from North Shore, sophomore. Jaquindon Jackson from Duncanville, junior. Uh, of course, Zach Evans, the running back from North Shore, is a junior. Uh, Shadrick Banks, North Shore's best receiver last night, was a sophomore. Like, we're going to see a lot of these guys back from both teams. And, you know, unless Allen or, you know, some of the other DFW powers have anything to say about it, there's a good chance we get this rematch. And I, I can guarantee you that uh, North Shore, uh, Longview and Westbrook had a bigger crowd, but if we get the rematch, I think we'll get that. I think Dor- uh, North Shore Duncanville will get that because people are going to want to see that rematch, see who, and hopefully it doesn't play out. Uh, exactly the way in heartbreaking fashion hopefully there's a probably uh, more of a definitive you know outcome as far as okay now we definitely know who the better team was as opposed to you know hail mary or something and jaquin and jackson like hurt a shoulder in the first half and they really yeah. kind of changed the complexion of the game for the second quarter because yeah, they weren't really throwing the ball at all and he's a great dual threat guy if you haven't watched, i mean he's got some breakaway speed but yeah. i mean you kind of knew he wasn't going to throw the ball in the second quarter and then after halftime he was able to throw it a little more and so yeah. north shore was able just able to load the boxes they knew he wasn't going to be able to throw because he hurt his shoulder but he came back and made some great throws uh, but yeah. still pretty uh that was a big uh effect in the game Oh, yeah, for sure. That was, uh, I kind of noticed, uh, I told Matt Steph, I was like, have they thrown a pass since he's come back in? And they really didn't until I believe, like you, like you mentioned, like a couple drives later until well, uh, a little bit further in the game when I kind of kind of became apparent that they needed to. Um, but, yeah, gut, credit to him, man. He was awesome. Tristan Smith, their senior running back, who has no offers, by the way, needs some offers. He was fantastic. Um, Duncanville, that. What Duncan was able to do to Zach Evans defensively, uh, containing probably the best running back in the state, and then also controlling the ground offensively, um, it was just it was something I you know I, I didn't expect to see at all. It was something really really impressive.
Well, all right, Ish, I I appreciate you coming on. It was always fun to chat with you and do this. I hope you have a good holiday, and I wish you, uh, if it is Blaine Gabbert next Sunday night for your Titans, I wish you well (laughs) in that. And if it's Marcus Mariota, I wish you well uh, in that case as well. <laughs> All right, buddy. Is this is this still upset? Are you still upset that the Titans eliminated the Browns from the playoff race? Uh no. I'm more upset that we've had Hugh Jackson coach game one of the season than anything. But uh, <laughs> I had a little sliver of hope there for a second that John that Josh Johnson was. It was looking good for a little bit. It was looking uh, good. It was looking good. I will say this though, uh, but I I am loving that we control the Steelers' uh, destiny. So I mean, if it happened oh, yeah. to have to happen this way, uh, oh yeah, you know I'm what? Happy I'll... for you, buddy. You guys get you guys got a good quarterback. Baker's awesome. Yes, I know it's very fun. All right, Ish. Uh, thanks again, and we'll talk again soon. Gosh, later, buddy. No problem. Uh, all right, that was Ismail Johnson from TexasFootball.com and Dave Campbell's uh, High School Football. And when we come back, we have Ryan on the phone line, and we will talk about the Cowboys game against the Tampa Bay Bucks. They clinched the NFC East title. That's coming up next here on The Short Thing on Talk Radio 1190. All right, back here on The Short Thing on Talk Radio 1190. Warren uh, here with you. And now we bring in Ryan on the phone at his uh, family's Christmas party. So, Ryan, uh, how do you do? I do great, man. Uh, just, you know, celebrating the family, everyone coming in from out of town, from Austin and other places like that. So, uh, yeah, doing all right. All right. Well, we'll get in. we got to do a quick segment here. And the Cowboys, and we'll obviously touch on the Cowboys uh, next segment as well in the NFL playoff picture. But first, I want to say this. we got big uh, news on the show. Last week, we got approved for credentials for the college football semifinal, the Cotton Bowl, Clemson-Notre Dame. So we're going to have a lot of good stuff coming up uh, on our iTunes page. So that is the short thing. On You can subscribe on iTunes, rate, review, uh, and uh, listen there. Also, you can do that on SoundCloud and the iHearts Radio podcast app. So good stuff there. Media Day is on Thursday. So we'll have some extra stuff for you at Media Day. Interview with some players uh, and some coaches. Well, some good stuff. And then we'll obviously tape our uh, Pick'em podcast with the bowl games going on at NFL Football on that Thursday. will come up as well. Well, So we'll have some good stuff for, with you on the show next week as well. All right. So the Cowboys uh, win today against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 27-20 to to lock up the NFC East title. So get those T-shirts because T-shirts fly forever if you want to fly a 2018 uh, NFC East Championship T-shirt of, hey, we were just better than all the other garbage in the division. Um, But, uh, look, they won. They did enough. The defense played really well. Tampa Bay, God, they make so many mistakes. I mean, Jameis... Seems like he's fumbling every single week, just getting has no pocket awareness, getting hit from behind. Uh, and to me, this just seems like the typical Cowboys game that has gone on the last month, even during their five-game win streak of, hey, we start off a little slow in the first half, and we uh, kind of turn it on in the second half and make a couple plays when it's needed, and that's what happened today. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the... Uh... You know, the Cowboys, they've been doing, we've said this multiple times uh, the last couple of weeks, they, they're they doing just enough to win. I think the schedule definitely played, uh, you know, a good part and, and played in favor of the Cowboys this season because if the, if the Buccaneers were even slightly good, they win this game. Like you said, the Buccaneers just make so many mistakes, and they were actually making a few plays here and there against the Cowboys and capitalizing on, you know, some defensive lapses, even though the Cowboys defense did play pretty well. Uh, Jameis made a couple big-time throws. Um, 
uh, I think one of the biggest ones that stuck out in my mind wasn't necessarily a good throw, but a great catch was by uh, Adam Humphreys when he went, went across the middle and just absolutely took a big lick and held on to the ball. You know, it was one of those, that's a, that's a big time play. A lot of those guys drop balls there, and it set up a. I think they ended up going and scoring on that drive. I think that was when they were they were driving for a touchdown there at the end. I'm, I, don't, I don't remember if that's correct, but anyway, um, Zeke puts the ball on the ground twice. The Cowboys get it back both times. But like I said, if, if the Buccaneers were even slightly good, and I don't think they're very good at all, I think this might be a different story. But, hey, I mean, uh, all that really matters is the result, and the Cowboys come out with the victory. Yeah, and and they get a home playoff game. They finish the season 7-1 and one at home, which is – uh, a change of pace from what they have been at home the last couple of seasons. Again, they struggled with Renzo, with the red zone offense. They had the ball first and goal at the three-yard line after getting a turnover late in the second half. <laughs> they got a field goal. They are the yeah. only team in the NFL this year to have a first and goal at the three-yard line and not get a touchdown on it. It's unreal. I mean, they, they got lucky. Uh, Dak ran in that first touchdown uh, when they were in the red zone. That was their only score in the red zone this uh, today, I believe, if, if I'm not uh, incorrect there, because they obviously had the recovery. Uh, Jalen Smith took it to the house. But, yeah, it's just unreal how bad this team is in the red zone. You would think with a guy like Zeke, with a guy like Amari Cooper, you know, Blake Schultz or uh, – uh, yeah, Blake, Sh- Blake Schultz and, and uh, Jarwin. They're, uh, Blake, you know, Jarwin, Dalton Schultz. Big, there we go. That's what it was. I know it was <laughs> something <laughs> like that. Uh, those two guys – I mean, those two guys at tight end, you know, they can go up above uh, – Defenders, you know, pretty big, and like I said, Amari Cooper, he can definitely he can throw a jump ball to that guy, no problem. Zeke, he can usually smash it, and Dak on his own can run the ball. So the fact that this team is so bad in the red zone is baffling. I don't know if it comes down to play calling or execution or what it is, but it's just kind of been a head scratcher. And come playoff time, you have to capitalize when you're in the red zone. You have to score touchdowns. Field goals are not going to get you by when you start playing, you know, the cream of the crop of the NFC. Whether it's you know an eight and eight team or nine and seventeen, they made it to the playoffs regardless. So, like I said, you, you definitely got to capitalize on those opportunities when you're within the 20. Yeah, all right. Well, we're going to take a break here on the short thing on Talk Radio 1190. When we come back, we will continue to talk about the Cowboys, what happened in the game today, some other things we saw, and what to look forward to Week 17, and maybe even a quick quick look at who they might play in the first round of the playoffs. That's coming up next here on Talk Radio 1190. Back here on the Short Thing Talk Radio, 1190 Warren uh, here along with Ryan. He's with us on the phone. We'll dive right back into the Cowboys game. Victors today, 27-20. They will host a playoff game. Uh, that will be uh, – they'll probably play the Seahawks right now. Uh, they are locked into the four seed. They cannot get to the three seed with the Bears winning today. And so the Seahawks right now are the five seed. They're playing the Chiefs right now. And then the Vikings or the Eagles will either be – the sixth seed, and I would say right now uh, playing the Seahawks would be fine, but first I want to uh, get into more of the uh, Cowboys game today. Zeke today only 18 carries. I really don't think Zeke should play next week. He looks like he could use a week's rest. He was limping off the field last week and really didn't look as sharp as he normally did today, so I would say put him in bubble wrap on the sidelines and rest him. Amari Cooper, another excuse me, not great performance. Uh, I don't want to say not great, but really didn't have a lot of yards. Four catches on five targets, not bad, but I think teams are bracketing them and putting double coverage on them a lot more than what they were doing uh, earlier on. And so he has been taken out of the game. And uh, look, the offense runs with Zeke. 
Dak, only at four carries. I would still like to see him get that up. He did have the rushing touchdown. But, uh, look, this was, as we'd said in the previous segment, kind of the same thing that's been going on. But they do need to get Cooper more kind of downfield throws rather than just kind of like these like five, six-yard out routes. And they also have been running a lot of screens with uh, Mari as well. You know, these extended handoffs where you want to get blockers out in front of him and let him run, which, hey, that's great. Um, dude can run when he has the ball in his hands pretty well. Uh, same thing, you know, they, they have him running a couple of slants here and there. Uh, but I agree with, with what you think about Zeke. No reason for them next week to put him out there, risk anything. Um, they're going to need all the help they can get, whether they play Seattle, whether it's Minnesota, whether the Eagles find a way to sneak in there. Um, who knows? But uh, I don't think the Eagles have a shot at the five seed. But you know, regardless of who, whoever it may be in that uh, in that uh, five seed spot. Um, but I mean, like you said, very much so, kind of par for the course. Dak doing just enough. Uh, one little cleanup thing: I, I said they only had that one rushing touchdown inside the red zone. They, he did have that four-yard touchdown pass to Michael Gallup. So two uh, two touchdowns inside the red zone this week. That's probably double what it's been all season. Um, but you know, it, it, I don't know how much this team, what they're doing well right now, can translate into playoff football. Yeah, I uh, look. The only thing they could, I feel like, could translate would be the defense playing how they did against the Saints, and that kind of stretch there when they were shutting down teams. But the defense has shown that if you are throwing down the field on them, they are going to get exposed. Yeah. Uh, I know not every team has Mike Evans. But say you play the Seahawks week uh, first wildcard round of the playoffs, they have Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett, who are both able to uh, kind of take the top off of defense. And Byron Jones, everyone was talking early on, oh, my God, such a great cornerback. So, uh, he's good. But teams are not afraid of him right now, and they're going at him, and he is getting worked over right now. And that secondary is showing some major, major warts. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, even Chris Godwin had a couple catches on Byron Jones today where he ate him up. I mean, Chris Godwin, he's a, he's a – Fine receiver, but he's not you know your top level wide receivers by any means. Um, but yeah, that, that that secondary definitely needs help. Uh, one big thing um, that's that I think's worth mentioning is Sean Lee being a healthy scratch today. Uh, didn't play, obviously, like I said, healthy scratch. He was fine. He's ready to go. But they decided to uh, make him inactive because he can't. He doesn't play special teams. And they said he'd probably only get twelve to fifteen snaps anyway. Where this guy used to be the leader of the defense, and now. He's healthy, and they're not even suiting him up. Yeah, I also think part of that was because they don't want him to get hurt, but they are 8-1 and one now without Sean Lee, and they are 1-5 yeah. with him. And the numbers have been flipped over from the previous three or four years when they couldn't even win a game when yeah. Sean Lee was out. But, yes, that is interesting. You know what also we haven't talked about on the show? Players inactive. That is Taco Charlton, who has been inactive for about the last seven weeks in a row right now. And wow. Jerry and all the uh, – Jerry, Steven, and Garrett saying he needs to show more in practice. This guy was a first-round pick last year, and he is inactive. I mean, maybe he'll get active because Tyrone Crawford, hope everything's well with him. He got stretchered off the field. But that is terrible from a first-round pick from last year. You need production out of that guy. And Randy Gregory played well today. And you could say good for him because he's had to overcome a lot uh, in his career so far. Most of it, I would say, self-inflicted. But he looks like he's straightened out right now. And uh, with Taco Charlton, with the inability to uh, practice well, is you're just waste you just wasted a first round pick so far? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I mean, they they were lucky that in that same draft they hit on Jalen Smith, where they took a 
took a chance on him in that second round. So the fact that Taco Charlton hasn't been able to get on the field like said, the last seven weeks, that is shocking. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't realize that it had been that long. I knew it had been at least two or three weeks, if not four, but I didn't realize it was the last seven weeks that he'd been healthy, uh, healthy scratch or inactive. But it's like, what? You know, I mean, like we've said, this, this Cowboys defense is good, and it, it's a, a top-ten defense the way it's playing right now. And between Tyrone Crawford, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, and some of the other guys along that uh, front four, I mean, it would be hard to crack that, I guess, rotation of guys. But if you're a first-round pick, and if I remember correctly, I mean, Taco Charlton wasn't like a surefire first-rounder. They kind of reached for him. Is that correct, or am I a little off base? No, I, he was a back half of the first-round guy. I, okay. So there were other – he was like late teens, 20s. He was probably going to go in the first round, but there were other guys. I think they wanted uh, Takaris McKinley, who was from UCLA. Like the Falcons took him right, uh, right a couple of picks in front of him. So he was like a couple of guys down the pecking order, but he was late first round guy. Okay, so he still had a first round grade on him. So yeah, I mean, you have to have something out of this. I mean, the fact that he can't even suit up to play, like I said, with Sean Lee, he can't play special teams, but at least Mary Cobble Charlton put him on, you know, pump block or kick kick blocking team something he can't crack that top 10 that's or excuse me crack that uh that uh, starting rotation for lack of a better term that's that's a tough one that's a tough one to take on the chin for jerry and the boys yeah it is all right uh we could take a look at uh the nfc playoff picture as we've kind of been sprinkling that in here a little bit today the saints locked up the number one seed so the nfc will go through new orleans they go 13 and two so i've Look, I would say they'd probably play guys for the first half next week. I would not want to have two weeks off uh, right now as you're on the Rams. Uh, need to win next week to lock up a first-round bye uh, because the Bears are 11-4, and four, and if the Bears win, they will uh, – and they have the same record as the Rams at 12-4. and four. They have the tiebreaker since they won head-to-head. The Cowboys locked into the fourth spot, cannot do anything else. And the Seahawks, if they win tonight, they're in the playoffs. And the Vikings will either duke it out – uh, they're in the 60 right now. They win. They're in. They lose. And the Eagles win against the Redskins next week. The Eagles are in the playoffs. So uh, I would say, look, um, if there's any team right there, I would hope to play, if you're the Cowboys, hope to play the Vikings because Kirk Cousins and big games, I would say, is going to struggle. Yeah. Um, but I would not want to go against Russell Wilson and the the, the mojo Foles has right now uh, with Philly. I would not. Uh, want to touch that. Uh, yeah, no, 100% agree. It's wild to me that Nick Foles, not just, you know, last year was a nice run he had. You know, I, obviously they took him all the way to the Super Bowl, but the fact that this guy came in again and is doing the same thing, this team is looking like like what we expected to see from week one. Uh, you know, even if Carson Wentz wasn't in there, but once Carson Wentz got in there, kind of what we were expecting as returning Super Bowl champions, I mean, he's almost got them back to true form and it's wild. I haven't seen anything like this before, but um, I think they're a little bit more deserving than Minnesota. Say what you will, yeah, maybe I have a little resentment there because of the whole Kirk Cousins things. But even that aside, like you said, the guy can't show up in big-time games. Um, I mean, they have a great receiving core with uh, Diggs and Thielen. Obviously, Dalvin Cook is finally coming on. That defense is pretty nasty. But I think if you're the Cowboys, you want to play the Vikings just because your defense is probably going to be able to overpower that Vikings front fo- front five and offensive line and get to Kirk Cousins. And once you get to him a couple times, the dude kind of folds. Uh, but what really would be the test against the Vikings is like we touched on earlier, is that secondary versus that wide receiver core. And throwing Kyle Rudolph there, who's a great tight end, probably a top five, top seven tight end in the league, you know, that might be something too to, to be uh, worth 
looking out. But like you said, the Seahawks rolling right now. Uh, Russell Wilson has kind of got, you know, uh, again, one of those kind of just wild runs that they're that the Eagles are making similar to that. So I'm not sure who you want to see through the, the Cowboys right now. I think the Vikings are probably going to top that list, though. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say just based on quarterbacks, and I, I think Cousins is a little better than you give him credit for, just because of the Redskins thing. But his record. No, I it, think he's a fine quarterback. Yeah. I think he's a very good quarterback. But just when the bright, when the bright lights shine, he folds. I think. Yes, and uh, what? Uh, before we take a our break here, say the Cowboys win. They won to the division. They're in the playoffs. They're hosting a playoff game. Say they lose in the first round. Do would you consider? I we're just doing hypotheticals, hypotheticals here. Would you consider this a successful season? Because nobody at the beginning of the year picked the Cowboys to win the division, and people thought, oh, eight and eight, uh, missing the wild card. But not a lot of people had them making the wild card either. Yeah, you know, I think this is one of those things where you, the goalpost moves throughout the season. You know what I mean? So when the season starts out, you know, week one. They're trying to come back the way they had the season they had in 2016, where they went 13 and three. So that's what their their eyes on the prize there. And then they start off to what were they two and five to start the season. So then wild card is best case scenario. Well, then they go on this hot run, and I was like, well, hey, we can take this division. So the goalposts definitely move throughout the season. Um, so I guess you can call it you can call it a success from after week nine when they started two and five, or week uh, eight when they started two and five. But from the start of the season, they probably had their eye on the prize of like a you know a, like I said a twelve and four, eleven and five type season. So it's just kind of what lens you're looking at it through. I would also say the goalposts have been moved based on just a five game winning streak of guys going, oh my god, this is great. Like right, yeah, when they after they won five in a row, were hey we're we're going to the uh, some fans are saying hey we're going to win a couple games in the playoffs here and. Yeah. Not looking, I would say, at the bigger picture of Dak still misses easy. I know a bunch of guys miss wide open easy throws, but it seems like he misses like the easiest throws. I'm thinking of the Jarwin one across the middle. I think that was second quarter. I mean, yeah. just threw it way behind him. He was out of the pocket wide open. And just, I mean, easy, easy throws uh, that he misses. And there, uh, look, he's done enough, as we said. This is not a harp on Dak uh, time since he did leave him. He's led him to the playoffs two out of, two out of the three years uh, he's been here. So you got to give him credit for winning football games. That is the point. Um, so, But he's still, I just think he's going to be a hindrance in the playoffs. All right. When we come back here, we will take a look at that AFC uh, playoff picture. And we could touch on uh, quickly some college football if you want to do that. We could continue with the NFL. I am coming out of the break here, going to lead with some funny audio that if you have ever had a little uh, cashola, I would say, on a game, NFL game, you can relate to. That is coming up out of the break here on The Shore Thing on Talk Radio 1190. Well, I guess the uh, Twitter, I mean, I don't understand. Every time I try this, I queue it up, and it works. I have some electric audio of Chris Mad Dog Russo watching the Florida Illinois, or the Florida International game against Toledo hitting me over. It is electric if you ever gambled on this thing, and now this thing isn't even going to work. I mean, this is unbelievable. Every single, it worked perfect earlier. I even queued it up. Oh, Oh, you hate to see. I mean, yeah, every week. I can't even get this to unbelievable. I mean, I guess you just can't grab Twitter from uh, audio. From I mean, it's not on YouTube, but it is absolutely electric. Well, tweet it out. How about that? Go follow us on Twitter <laughs> at the short thing. It is hilarious because he's in some bold pick him with his friends, I guess. 
And he, I guess, was telling, uh, begging them to take the under in the game. And there was like 50 seconds left in the game. And uh, it was about to be the under. I think the under was 57. And it was like 54. And floor FIU broke a touchdown with like 48 seconds left. Excuse me. Uh, And he's going bananas. I told you to take the over and all this stuff. It was really funny. Uh, I was really hoping to play it. But uh, you know what? I guess you just got to find it on Twitter. Uh, I was actually going bananas because I had team total Toledo for the greatest push I've ever had at the end of that game. Shout out Hail Mary there. But all right, we'll touch on the maths here for the last uh, 10 minutes. Maybe, Ryan, when you're rambling on, I'll see if uh, we can get this uh, audio to work here. But the Mavs, since we last talked on Sunday, have struggled. They have now lost five games in a row. They are wrapping up a four-game road trip tonight at Portland. They lost last night to the Golden State. The night before that, they lost to L.A. Then they lost at Denver, all teams above them in the standings. And look, they, they only lost by four by Golden State last night. That game was kind of an eight to ten point game the whole game. L.A., they made a late charge. And tonight against Portland, they are no pushover. Damian Lillard, I think, is one of – I enjoy watching him play so much. He's one of my favorite players uh, in the NBA. But the Mavs right here, tough stretch. After this, they play Wednesday and Friday against the Pelicans. Then Sunday and Monday against the Thunder. You could say they have a brief – uh, brief rest against Charlotte on the second. That's the second game of a four-game road trip. And they go at Boston, at Philly. Then they play the Lakers for a couple of games. Then they play Minnesota, Golden State, San Antonio, Indiana, Milwaukee, L.A., and then Detroit at the end of the month, I would say, is their next layup. I mean, they got a brutal stretch of the schedule coming up. Yeah, no, they definitely do. I think if they can come out, uh, you know, their overall record right around 500, I think that's a a total win uh, because, you know, like you said, yeah, Charlotte might be a little bit of a breather. You never know what to expect with Kemba uh, and those guys uh, out east. But the game against the Celtics, who, I mean, Celtics are having an average season, not anything we expected them to have. But then with Philly uh, coming up after that, obviously they just lost to L.A. Uh, it's definitely going to be a tough stretch. What I really, I mean, this goes without saying, I'm not a rocket scientist here. This isn't breaking news. Luka Doncic is good. This guy is going, I mean, even Draymond Green came out the other day after they played uh, Golden State, that this guy's going to be a problem for the in the NBA for years. He already is a problem. Um, I was looking at uh, some stats here while I'm on, uh, I'm on my phone here that his some of his stats over the years are comparable to the one and only LeBron James for their rookie year. Let's see, I have it, I have it, uh, uh, thought I had it bookmarked here. Let me see, I'm... I'm going to pull up. You said I was going to ramble. I kind of took offense. I, I, I will say you're figuring out 31 games of the season that Luke is good. Was there like nothing, I would say, <laughs> in the middle stretch when they ran off, I would say, six out of seven where he wasn't right. good? You, or was I mean, it? We, we talk about Luke every. I'm just saying like. I know. Guy, I know. <laughs> this guy, it just it's just like every week he does something else. I'm just like. Goodness gracious, how is this guy doing it? How is he, you know, over and over and over again? I guess I didn't save it. I saw, oh, you know what? I, I know where it is at. Um, it's just over and over and over again that he just does stuff. So through their first 29 games, LeBron and Luka. LeBron averaged 19.8 points per game. Luka's at 18.8. LeBron had 42% field goal shooting. Luka's at 43. Rebounds per game, LeBron 5.9. Luka 6.6. Assists, LeBron 6. And Luca four point nine. So I mean, obviously, oh, Luca's going to go on to have 
the career that LeBron is. But for him to start out like this as a 19-year-old, yeah, LeBron did as an 18-year-old. But coming over from uh, Slovenia and then obviously playing in, in uh, Spain, and just to light up the NBA the way he is, I mean, the Mavs hit an absolute home run with this, uh, you can't say draft pick, but the eventual trade that came behind it. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. I will say I'm interested to see uh, how he's, if he hits, say, a rookie wall, yeah. uh, quote-unquote, because he is a rookie in the NBA, but the guy's been playing professional basketball for three or four years. Right. So he's got way more experience than any other rookie has coming into the NBA unless they played in Europe. That's why I think you have a huge advantage if you play those, these Euro guys that come over, say that when they're pros for two or three years, they already know what it's like to be a professional. They know what the travel's like. They know uh, all that stuff and how to handle themselves and prepare their bodies. So they're already a leg up on the college kids. Um, So I'm curious if he will happen to hit that said Ricky Wall this year. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, You know, last season after DSJ was drafted, they did the preseason voting of all the players who they thought was going to win Rookie of the Year. And DSJ actually got the players' vote saying he was going to win Rookie of the Year. It didn't come close. But this guy is a surefire rookie of the year, surefire all-star, and, and you know, going to be more to come. Last week, I think it was last week, we talked about, you know, possible trades the Mavs could make to put a better team around him, and you brought up trading Harrison Barnes. I said, I don't know if I would do that. I think I would now. Just, I, yeah, I mean, it only took a week to change my mind. But if you could trade DSJ and Harrison Barnes for an off-guard that can, uh, you know, play, play off the ball and just kind of be a catch-and-shoot guy, a guy – like Clay Thompson, obviously you're not going to get anybody close to what Clay Thompson can do, but a guy like that, you know what I mean? And maybe another small four that, that can spread the floor like all small fours can nowadays. Uh, somebody like that. I think the, the Mavs would be looking great and have a quick turnaround here uh, rather than uh, a couple years of rebuilding. Yeah, I heard saw someone on Twitter, I think, say Luka's already a top 10 player in the Western Conference. I think we got to tap the brakes on that because yeah, you have, we can name off 10 guys right now. LeBron, you have James Harden, you have Steph Durant. Uh, that is four. Uh, did I mention Anthony Davis right now? You got Damian Lillard, who I think is better than him. Russell Westbrook and Paul George. We're at eight, and then you just need to rattle off two more. And uh, I guess you could say maybe Jokic. I don't know if DeMar DeRozan is kind of your type. I think Luka's better than DeRozan right now, but I think there are definitely... Uh, you can even throw Boogie in there. You know, DeMarcus Cousins when he's healthy. Yeah. Uh, look, he's he is a top 15 player in the Western Conference for sure. Uh, but I think we do need to be easy, just keep shuffling his him into like the stratus the NBA stratosphere already. I don't think it's I just think we need to take a step back, just a slight step back. Oh yeah, yeah, agreed. Like you said, definitely top fifteen for sure, top twenty. But uh saying he's a top ten player in the uh Western Conference. A little bit of a stretch, give this guy some time to grow and he will definitely get there. It might be one of the best Euros we've ever seen, which would be wild if two of the best Euros we've ever seen both played for the Mavs. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he's doing great things. Like I said, not rocket science, not going out on a limb there. But I, I really think the Mavs need to push hard. Uh, Donnie Jr. and Mark Cuban need to push hard and, and maybe see if they can build a team around this guy, even if that means trading off DSJ, who you just drafted, and Harrison Barnes, who you gave a big contract to, to just put a better team around him because he is going to be the focal point of your team. Yeah, and your pick is top 10, I think, or top is lottery protected this year. Yeah, it's lottery protected. Uh, so you're not going to get a first-round uh, – well, you, you're probably not going to get a first-round pick this year because I don't think they're going to squeak their way into the playoffs. It's hard to tell. you gotta you got to see how they continue to do during the stretch. Like if, yeah. 
They got to they got to beat some good teams cuz they they had a soft schedule. And look, good uh, good teams take advantage take advantage of a soft schedule. But they need to string some wins together here against some good teams and right now they're a game and a half out. They were in 8th place last week and now uh they are in 11th. Uh as we sit here on this Sunday uh, before Christmas. But, uh, look, the Mavs, they're fun to watch again. It has been pretty light, uh, pretty lean around the Mavs time, so at least they're fun to watch again. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, you know, it's a kind of tongue-in-cheek. I think the first week we talked, we were really talking about them, they were in eighth. Last week they're in sixth. This week they're in 11th. Next week they could be in fourth place, the way that, how close the West is. But uh, this, this tough stretch coming down this, this next week and a half or two weeks, is really going to, uh, you know, it's obviously not going to have any outcome on the season, but it's going to probably tell you a lot about what this team is made of and what this team can do down the stretch come February and March. Yes, uh, I agree with you there. All right, that is going to wrap us up here for the short thing this week. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and the iHeartRadio podcast app. That is the short thing. So give us a rate, review, and a listen there. Tell your friends. Got some new listeners uh, out there. So thanks for you guys tuning in with us on Thursday. We're going to have some big stuff from Cotton Bowl Media Day. So, to, uh, so subscribe to that page. You'll catch all that content with the Notre Dame players, with the Clemson players thinking about doing a little Texas quiz with some guys. Guys, uh, only five players on both roster. Uh, four on Notre Dame, one on Clemson are from Texas. Maybe we'll test their Texas trivia uh, and maybe some other guys. We got a lot of good stuff planned for you on Thursday, so remember to listen uh, there. And then we will be back next week here on Talk Radio 1190 at 7 p.m. recapping the college football playoff games as those games are on Saturday. We'll have stuff from the game, what it was like there, all the good stuff. Uh, so tune in next week. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Hope everybody has a good Christmas. Ryan, uh, Merry Christmas to you and Jamie, and we will talk to you guys next Sunday night.